Hello and welcome. I'm Jonathan Beale, and this is the ASB Investment Podcast, a show that keeps you up to date on the market and helps you make smart choices with your investments. The Reserve Bank is holding the official cash rate steady, but interest rates keep falling. What's the deal? Chris Tennant-Brown is back to give us an update on this, the uncertainty in the US, and what we've seen from the markets in light of the latest COVID vaccine developments. These are entirely our own views. It's not investment advice, but we know plenty of experts at ASB that will be happy to chat if you need. Well, welcome, Chris. I think this is officially our last podcast before... Christmas and New Year. We haven't got any Christmas music, but um, it seems like the year's flown by. I can't believe it's nearly what, Christmas. Unbelievable. Yeah, we put our decorations up in the uh, in the week that's just gone, you know, a month, month out from the big day. And so we've got a little blow-up Santa and lights on the front of the house and kids stop and look out in their pyjamas. Their parents have dropped them off to come and have a look at our crazy house. And, oh, my God. Yeah, it's like a mini Franklin Road, but in only hunger. <laughs> So there's one house in Onihanga that's uh, decorated. Oh, and the neighbours are into it as well oh. now. In fact, they started it. They um, they egged us on to uh, get into it about ten years ago, and now there's three or four houses in our street that are um, that are into it. It's, oh wow! And we're yeah. in level one, and was life's like almost normal, isn't it? Have you been doing any normal things or? Yeah, it does feel like uh, life's back to normal. The only time it doesn't feel normal, I think, for me is when I walk down Queen Street. That still feels uh, very quiet. But yeah, it's a uh, town, eh? yeah, but being out and about, um, it feels it feels very busy. And you know, we had our trip away last week, uh, meeting with clients, and that just felt like back to back to normal. Um, meeting people, chatting about investments and the latest thoughts and worries and um, opportunities. And how, uh, how good is the Hawke's Bay? It's all going off in the Hawke's Bay at the moment. It's the place to buy a house. The house prices are going nuts in the Hawke's Bay. Yeah, yeah, they really are. I, I always like doing a bit of homework before I go to any um, any of the areas. And um, yeah, Hawke's Bay and, and uh, Gisborne, actually, their house prices have gone up um, more than anywhere else since since February, um, up really, really strongly, well over 10%, and no sort of signs of slowing down with these low interest rates either. It's, um, so that was a really buoyant um, buoyant feel to to the place down there, I thought. Yeah, it was. We we had we actually had a client seminar in Hastings, didn't we? And we, um, really great getting out and talking to customers again. And then we, um, just a plug for New Zealand businesses, we went to probably the best pasta restaurant or pasta restaurant I've ever been to, uh, Sagio's, I think it was called. Yeah, um, that was great. In Hastings, and they've redeveloped some of the area there. And like, what a restaurant. The front of house lady, who's the owner, top notch. So if you're ever in Hastings, pop in and um, can recommend the burnt butter ricotta ravioli. It was fantastic. Yeah, that was pretty good fun. And it, uh, it, it just um, reminds me of how um, you know cooped up we've been and how stimulating it is to get out and about. We had a, um, it was my partner's birthday and we went down to Wellington for the weekend and it was um, a uh, harder than we expected to get a hotel, which is, which is a good thing. Um, You want them to be, uh, want them to be busy after what uh, the hospitality sector is going through over the course of 2020. So that was um, pretty good, but restaurants were busy as well. and, And we just absolutely loved it. And, um, you know, actually, Wellington can have stunning days, but this wasn't one of them. Um, but we were uh, we were pretty happy nonetheless, just because we were out of out of town and seeing different things, and um, it was great. And you didn't come back by 
normal transport, I understand. You came back a different way from Wellington. Yeah, we caught the uh, we caught the train back. Whoa. And it was just fantastic. And, you know, part of this is because I'm Scottish and I couldn't bear to pay the 350 bucks for an airline ticket. Um, and... Uh, but I said to uh, I said to Sanai, hey, what do you think about the train? I've done it before, but only ever at night time. Maybe a day trip would be quite good. And she was keen, and uh, it was. It was fascinating. You had a little headset on, so you could listen to news as you went through all the towns. And I'd thoroughly recommend it as a uh, wow. as a way to spend a, a day. And you can get up and about, and there's a dining cart, and there's an outdoor um, viewing area, and all this sort of stuff. So it just was a neat way to spend. Um, oh well, good good part of 10 or 11 hours, I guess, in the end, but we really enjoyed it. I haven't been on a train in New Zealand properly since about, two, I think it was 2003, and I'd flown back from Sydney after England run the Rugby World Cup, well, hey, and um, we, we had to fly into Hamilton because there was no flights into Auckland, and we were going to get a train from Hamilton to Auckland. And so we got a taxi from the airport to Hamilton train station, and we thought something might have been up because when I said to the taxi driver, Hamilton train station, he said to me, are the trains running today? And I went, well, I hope so, because we've booked on one. And this train turns up, chugs in, parks up, and then we all got on. And then the um, driver said, oh, we're going to sit here for a while because we're going to have to help this other train back to Auckland. And it basically pushed an engine all the way back to Auckland from Hamilton. It took us four and a half hours from Hamilton to Bridemard pushing this thing, which was longer than it had taken us to fly <laughs> fly from Sydney. It's the last time I've ever took a bloody train to <laughs> oh, well, New Zealand. Yeah, luckily, luckily this was a little bit more efficient, but yeah. uh, but nowhere near as uh, as uh, and no swift buffet as flying. Yeah, oh, well, see, we had the buffet cut. Yeah. It was really good, and um, oh, it was just good fun. But I think the, um, the one of the things that uh, I see when I look at all the data at the, these days, and this week's retail sales figures were, were just stunning. There is so much pent up demand in the economy, yeah. and and we're we're getting out there and enjoying it, and I think it'll just continue through over the summer as long as from a health perspective we can stay on the right side of the of the um of the ledger and um retail sales bounced back nearly 30 percent in the it's in the third quarter which is just just massive let's talk there's a few things i wanted to cover off with you today mm. and one of them i wanted to start with housing because and then we'll try to get into the share markets and we'll talk about u.s elections and then maybe maybe wrap up but if we talk about housing and um it's just not a lot of things are normal, like level one. But one thing about housing, it just doesn't seem normal at the moment. It just seems to be going. Uh, this is a technical word. Just seems to be going nuts. Like, yeah. what 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 is driving this demand and the house price increase we're seeing in a lot of regions? And yeah, can you help us understand what's going on? Yeah, I think uh, I think it's 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 two it's two things. Um, the the first ingredient is confidence. People here are feeling like we're past the worst of it on the whole, and clearly. There's there's people who are still um, whose jobs are really um, under pressure or, or have gone because of COVID, um, but for a lot of people um, they are thinking life's getting back to normal and my my job's safe and and secure. That's that's an important ingredient for any housing um, market. Um, people don't go out and buy a house if they think they're about to lose their job. But the key ingredient is just these low interest rates. They're, they're already incredibly low, and there's people like me out there saying they're probably going to get even lower. Um, there's a Reserve Bank governor saying that he thinks that mortgage rates will get even lower. And um, and so when you've got 2.5% you know, mortgages at the moment, 
Um, it's just a real kicker. And and so we've already seen this big shift in house prices, a big step up, I think, since May, June, um, when um, when we were in the real doldrums. We couldn't even get out of the house to go and look at a house. Um, now, now things are really going off and uh, they'll probably continue. And the Reserve Bank... Um, is uh, doing some things about that, and and actually, um, Grant Robinson, the finance minister today, um, announced that he really wants the RBNZ to um, to con- consider what they can do. The RBNZ themselves said um, earlier in the month that they're going to put uh, or meet with the banks to talk about lending restrictions, um, the LVR restrictions, as we called them, coming back in place early early next year. But gee, by then we've had another four months of. Um, of buoyant housing market, and we're seeing the banks, including ASB, are really lending now like those restrictions are in place already, but I don't think it's going to slow down the housing market um, too much. It's going to be a very, very busy period for sales. And is that the minister trying to sort of even out the growth across the economy rather than have a housing boom, actually try and have the economy growing as a whole? Is that what is that the signal he's trying to give? Yeah, the I mean, the RBNZ really wants to... Um, I guess focus on the productive side of the economy. If you to use economics talk, um, I don't think anyone would regard it as a success if all that happened from the Reserve Bank's action and the government's action was we just borrowed more and bought houses. Um, I think would much rather see this as a uh, as a time where an investment takes place to take advantage of these low interest rates, not just buying another investment property. So I don't know where it'll lead to in terms of exact policy changes um, and and the. Um, finance ministers quite rightly not being too prescriptive about all of this uh, but it, I, th- I think this housing issue is going to be the big challenge for the RBNZ over 2021. It's it's just not going in the direction that a, uh, a government that wanted to even out um, society a little bit would be would be happy about and, and of course in the last term the government had the chance uh, but didn't run with it to uh, to look at what they could do via taxation of capital gains. Um, I think a lot of the stuff in that tax review was a good idea, but it probably wasn't the sort of thing that was ever going to win you an election. And and so that's off the table. And so we really are back to um, okay. Well, what can happen through through finance, through lending restrictions, uh, through bank regulation, and so forth. So it'll be it'll be a big subject over the next over the next six months, I think. And you mentioned. Uh you thought mortgage rates would go down as well. How about term deposit rates? Do you see those staying the same or any movement? Yeah, well, one of the things, because the economy is going so well, we've we've gone off the idea that the Reserve Bank uh, will cut the cash rate into negative territory. In fact, we never liked the idea of a negative official cash rate, um, but we th- just listened to what the Reserve Bank was saying and thought, yeah, this could this could be the way that the Reserve Bank wants to take it. We don't think that now. We think the economy is going so well and some of these other issues like the buoyant housing market um, will probably make the Reserve Bank uh, think very carefully about where to go from here. But they do want more lending in the economy and so they've set up this uh, funding uh, facility uh, that will be available to banks in uh, December. Uh, where we can access long-term funding at the official cash rate. So it's even cheaper funding for us to access, to turn into loans to keep the economy going. And hopefully a lot of business loans to keep the economy going, uh, quite frankly. But what that will mean is that there's less demand for term deposits, there's less demand for other sorts of wholesale funding, because this will be the cheapest funding that a bank could access. So we've just seen term deposits keeping getting chipped lower 
Um, but the uh, and and I think that'll continue. I keep just looking across the Tasman and and seeing the uh, the half a percent or less term deposit rates that they've got in Australia. They've got exactly the same sort of funding facilities. They've had it set up since. Um, way earlier on in the year. And their mortgage rates are uh, under 2%, which is where uh, the Reserve Bank Governor um, mentioned in one of the comments he'd made that he thought that our rates were, were going to. So that's that's the mix I still see, even if the Reserve Bank stays on on hold at a, at a quarter of a percent for the official cash rate setting. It is tough for customers, though. Just before I came here, I was talking to actually a staff member who's retiring out of ASB, and before I could even say something, they are saying, I can't leave my money in term deposit because I'm not going to have enough income. You know, it's 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 that obvious now to people that I have to, I can't I can't have the income I'm, I need or I'm used to to survive just having money money in term deposit and started to think about I need to do something different with my money, which might be property, might be KiwiSaver, might be an investment, might be whatever. But it's certainly moving people to go. I need to think about doing something different, isn't it? Yep, and and I think both with people retiring, they think, well, I'm not going to get the income from very conservative investments like I'd hoped. Um, you know, ten years ago, a five percent term deposit would have would have generated a lot of income for people. So they're looking at other things that they can do, and and it and it and it could be. Um, from an investment perspective, like maybe I do need to buy a rental property and and be way more active in my investments to try and create some value. Maybe I need to look at more aggressive things like a portfolio of investments. Um, All of those things are happening. And the other thing which happens is people think, well, maybe I just can't afford to retire as early as I wanted to. And and I've I've had conversations with, uh, with colleagues at the bank as well that were thinking, I'd really like to retire when I hit the age at uh, at 65, but maybe I'll keep working for another five years or so so I don't have to tap into my money um, or, or can accumulate a bit more. So it's 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 really having an effect uh, on 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 people. So it's a it's a it's a tough one. I think uh, this this type of monetary policy is very uneven, and this thing that we're seeing with housing that uh, that Grant Robinson was talking about today is one of the other things which is uneven about it. If you managed to get in and buy a house um, six months ago, and now you're able to finance it at these low rates, you're in such a better position than even someone that wasn't quite there and was looking to do it next year. Um, it's it's really distorting things in, in, in some parts of the um, of people's lives out there. And share markets continue to do well. Like the New Zealand share market's maybe 2% off its high, and US share market's steaming ahead. But it just seems... You can sort of understand the New Zealand share market doing well. We're back to level one economies. You know, people are out spending, and but why? Why is like global share market still doing well with all this sort of uncertainty around COVID and stuff? Yeah, the the local share market I think does make a lot of sense. I mean, there's still a number of stocks in there paying out really decent dividend streams, and 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 that's one avenue that people are going down when 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 term deposits no longer cut it. But off offshore, there still seems so much uncertainty, and and even for us, we were talking before about how the economy seems to be really spooling up. Well, in the northern hemisphere, it's spooling down as they go back into various levels of of lockdown, and even in America, where uh, where they've been really reluctant to um, go into lockdown, when the case numbers start to get this high, 
people will slow down the amount that they want to uh, socialise and risk getting getting sick. I'm sure over the next few months. So it's it's going to be a tough a tough winter in the northern hemisphere. I think in many countries. Yet the share markets are going going well and. I think really what people are focusing on is is the is the light at the end of the tunnel. Um, the the vaccine developments are, are really are impressive over the last uh, over the last month or two, and likewise with the U.S. election result. Now that it starts to look pretty clear um, that that Biden's won, um, Trump's going to go. Uh, I think markets are really looking forward to a slightly more stable period, but the real kicker is that we didn't see this total changeover f- to, to to Democrats and um, in all levels of US politics. So in some ways, businesses like that because it'll be very difficult to make rapid and broad brush tax changes, um, for for example, or regulation changes, uh, if the Republicans still control the the Senate and the states. So it was a bit of a Goldilocks mix from a political perspective, even even though it's just another another month of horrible headlines from US politics. The light at the end of the tunnel, I think, is that you've got um, a number of investors that are thinking it looks likely Biden's going to lead. That'll probably be more predictable global politics, uh, more po- predictable uh, outlook for policy. Uh, but we're not going to see some of the big changes that people feared if uh, if the Republicans still control the Senate. I think Senate. as you said, there's a light at the end of the tunnel, and it's, but it's not a train coming towards us. So it sounds like it's a, a bit of a better outcome. And yeah. I, and I think we've sat in this booth all year talking about, you know, Trump tweets something, share market goes down, he tweets something else, it goes up. And at least with Biden, you imagine he's, he's probably not going to use Twitter, I, I would have thought, but... Uh, um, we're not going to have that sort of ridiculous uncertainty that has been the whole Trump administration. And we might get back to sort of whatever normal is, get back to more consistency, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. I think we'd have a bit more um, diplomacy and a little bit less tweeting. But hey, we'll just have to wait and, and see. And there's still a few crazy times ahead between now and um, in January, I suspect. But um I think it is a it is a better outcome as far as markets are concerned, and that's why they're responding quite quite positively. Um, so um, the 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 challenge is going to be just how tough the um, the downturn is, and this is this is where uh, Europe and uh, America are, um, have got some similarities and some differences. Now, when you've got things um, like uh, a, a bad transition of power in the states that just gets in the way of the government doing what it needs to do, which is support the economy, and and likewise in the UK with 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 Brexit, it's an added pressure on um, on the politicians to try and work through that when they really need to focus on providing support for the for the economy and getting money into people's pockets um, that need it, supporting um, important parts of the economy that can't function very well when when they're in lockdown so that when you do finally have a vaccine, um, you, you've got an economy that can can pick up pace quite quickly. And this is this is where New Zealand's been been great to show how when you do have the disease under control one way or another, um, you can have 98% of your economy um, functioning uh, pretty pretty well, and that's what's happening here. Uh, when you when you don't, um, you you have these major contractions. And I I think when we look at New Zealand, we'll still be four or five percent smaller at the end of this year than we were at the end of last year. 
Um, but we should recover a lot of that through 2021. Whereas a lot of these economies uh, like um, France and Spain, the UK, they'll be 10% smaller. And it could be even worse if these lockdowns have to carry on through all through winter. Now you show me the, you show me it. Over the years, you've shown me lots of graphs, Chris, but you showed me the, probably the best one last week about the Google Activity one that showed... Yeah, that's fascinating, uh, isn't it? Do you want to talk a little bit about that? It shows how New Zealand reacted and how the rest of the world and where we are now. That's awesome. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm always terrified that my phone's listening to me because uh, I just can't work out how, um, when, I'm, when I'm trolling around looking at my favourite cycling website, it knows exactly what to, uh, to, to show me and, uh, in, terms of, in terms of ads. And, uh, but, and, and it seems that not only might it be listening to me, um, it also knows where I'm going. And so, yeah, this Google mobility data is uh, fantastic. It's, it's one of the neat things that's come out of the lockdown for us as an economics team is moving away from looking at traditional economic data, which is so late and backward looking, to what's the latest week-by-week data that can tell us how people are responding to these policies. And yeah, the Google mobility data is fascinating. And if anyone that's listening wants to uh, have a look at it, um, just download our, it's called the COVID chart pack. It's on our um, It's on our website and you can download and we put these charts in and, and you can just see we had this tough lockdown. Um, we've actually got a lockdown measure in there as well to show whose lockdown was the most severe and we, we win that, um, which I don't think is a prize anyone particularly <laughs> enjoyed, especially the second time. Um, but as soon as we've come back, we've got to, we can see it in the mobility data, once we've come out of these lockdowns, we're more mobile than most other places in the world, which is what you want in terms of supporting your, your economy with people getting out there and getting on with it and, and, and spending or doing whatever they do for their job so it's so a we were, when we were in lockdown level four we were like not mobile like yeah we were the least mobile of anyone around the world most yep. people around the world and then when we come out of lockdown we bounce back to being down. yeah and and so it's just a real success story and you know the the places like sweden where they didn't really have a lockdown they sort of trucked along below a hundred percent because people were doing their own forms of social distancing and now our mobility's you know a lot better than those places, and and, and they're having these big load ups of of cases now. So it's a it's a really good reminder that um, nothing's nothing's perfect. But gee, if you if you value mobility and and getting out and being able to do your awesome. thing, um, we're uh, we're on the right track if we if we look at that particular data series. Now it's uh, our last podcast for the year, and Christmas is. Uh a month away, Jing Jing, and uh, but we should probably maybe think about twenty twenty one. We did it last year. We I don't think, you know, you're normally right, Chris, but I, you didn't predict <laughs> all the stuff we've been through in the last twelve months. So yeah, I'm not going to hold you to what's going to happen in twenty twenty one. But what are some of the things that you're sort of focused on or thinking about for next year? Yeah, well, uh, yeah, I guess just wrapping up on 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 this year. I think even in February when we did a podcast, I was thinking, oh, this COVID-19 thing. Well, when we had SARS, it was pretty tough for six months and maybe it'll be like that, hard on travel. And here we are, it's a global pandemic, which is, <laughs> which is, which is a, a whole bigger deal. But I think... Um, I think everyone's focus for 2021 will be the same thing as as is that light at the end of the tunnel real and 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 when can we expect to get back to normal and I'm pretty conservative on this I still think uh, and I'm not alone in this sort of thinking that even if we've got a vaccine that comes out there's still a long time until you'd go yep we're safe to do whatever we want 
Um, what that will do, though, is mean that we can do a lot more um, and get less worried when there are cases in the community because we know we'll have a much more, much greater resilience to it. Um, yeah, really important for things like the retirement uh, sector and so forth. Um, and, and other vulnerable people in the community. So I think that will just help us carry on at, at this alert level one, hopefully, and being um, being very mobile in the economy, being at, back, to, back to normal. I think the tourism bit's the hard bit. Um, I think we need to, from a First of all, from a travel perspective, I think that's probably last cave off the rank. Um, but the but the important bit for next year that I think will be a real challenge is the is the uh, element of labour market support that that tourists provide. Now, there's a lot of jobs in New Zealand that that depend on people coming here. Um, Export education is a good example. So international students, you know, flight coming here to do flight schools, coming here to go to university, and um, people coming here to do seasonal work, like fruit picking, all that sort of stuff, they make up a big chunk of the of the labour force. So there's aspects of that that'll be important for next year. I'm I'm, I'm nervously looking at what um, what things like the kiwi fruit um, industry comes up with. So that's a big sector um, that um, that will will hit some problems next next May with labour shortages, uh, grape harvest, similar sort of thing. So uh, those will be issues for us to really deal with, and 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 it's all sorts of things. It's the health aspect, it's the government policy, it's how we can manage the 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 border, and how we can contain any little outbreaks that come along via people coming in through the border. So that'll be the first thing that I watch over the beginning of the year. And then over the second half of the year, I'm really hoping that we're starting to go, right, how are these vaccines going to work and on the economy? And, and the, the, like I say, I think the last cab off the rank will be, right, when can we start to see some travel bubbles open up and, 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 and tourism come back? Um, because that's the, that's the missing, those, those international students and the, uh, and the tourists are the missing piece of the, of the, of the puzzle at the moment. And, and, and the reason why things like, um, Queen Street's very, very quiet these days, and uh, and will continue to be. So it's the reason why we're not having cruise ships, cruise and, ships yeah. and concerts and sports events yeah. and all those sorts of stuff that that really do generate a lot of um, activity and also a lot of satisfaction in the uh, the economy. Uh, we were joking before. I think we'll probably hear quite a few Kiwi bands over the next year before yeah. the international acts can start coming back. I see Guns and Roses are on the cards for next year, oh, though. Really, an but, optimistic uh, goal for um for late next year. My daughter's very upset because she was supposed to see Harry Styles last night, and I don't think she'll ever forgive him for not coming. He could have come. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and hey, that, so that's my, uh, from an economics perspective, for 20, uh, 2021. Um, but what about you? You've got some uh, changes ahead? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, this is like our last podcast for the year, but this is my my last podcast at ASB. I'm moving on. Uh, after 15 wonderful years at ASB, I've uh, decided to take up another challenge outside of ASB. So, um, yeah, going to miss a number of things. Going to miss, definitely going to miss the booth. Uh, going to miss the cheese that comes with the booth. Um Always put on a good brie when we come in here. Um, maybe a little bit of the red wine, but probably the most thing I'm going to miss is the people at ASB. It's just I met some wonderful people and worked with some great people, learnt lots, um, but um, thoroughly enjoyed every every single moment of it. So it's going to be um, it's a big day on the 16th of December when I leave. But um, ASB will move on and do great things. But hopefully I've left it in a better place than when I first came here. So uh, yeah, time to time to move on. But going to miss the booth. 
Yeah, well, I'll look. I'll uh, I'll look forward to um, being back in the booth next year, and uh, I'm sure we'll carry on having the conversation over a red wine. It's just that we won't no, be exactly. recording it and playing it to anyone else. <laughs> well, as always, thank you, Chris. It's been um, great chatting to you. Lovely insights, and um, I won't hold it against you. That you didn't predict the global pandemic, but uh, it sounds like next year is hopefully going to be a lot better than 2020. So, uh, all the best to you. Thanks a lot. Thanks for joining us today on the ASB Investment Podcast. If you have any thoughts on today's episode, or if there's anything you'd like us to discuss on future shows, please fire your suggestions through to podcasts at asb.co.nz. Listener.